And one thing I wanted to jump into was an article I found online, and I thought it would help us talk about some of the things we wanted to talk about anyway. And I thought this was kind of a funny article. Full disclosure, and and um, I just I don't necessarily feel the way this article portrays that maybe I do feel. <laughs> I just think it's kind of a funny perspective because of the fact um, of you know a couple of things we'll definitely get into, and people it'll resonate. Um, some of the things they say to their dentist and don't realize it, but. Um, number one being being number one is, um, you know, this this article is called 10 Reasons Your Dentist Probably Hates You Too. <laughs> now, once again, I don't hate my patients. <laughs> I love my patients. I don't hate my parents or anybody. But um, this is number one. The first thing you say when you sit down in my chair is I hate the dentist. You know, yep. and this guy says, really, did your parents teach you any manners? Did they ever teach you it's impolite to tell somebody you hate them the moment you greet them? How many times have you been <laughs> greeted out in public? Like, has anybody ever said, oh, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a, I'm a pediatric dentist. Oh, I hate the dentist. How many times yeah, that happened to you? It, it's all the time. I, it, 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 at work, whenever you meet somebody, it's like, it's the thing to say. So right? how do you it's react like, to that? Um, I usually laugh in public, but like, you know, I was telling you when we were on our little break, I said, if, depending on the, the patient in the chair, depending on how old they are and uh, how well they think they'll take the joke. Sometimes I'll just look at them and say, well, that's good. Cause I hate my patients too. You know? <laughs> and we laugh and I tell them I'm kidding, obviously, but they, they, it surprises them when I say that they're like, like, well, you just told me you hated me, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I'll joke with them. Um, but yeah, in public, I'm like, yeah, most people do, you know, I understand it. It can be a little bit scary, you know, whatever. Right. Just kind of after reading this article, off, deflect it. After reading this article, I started saying, like, hey, do you always tell people you hate them the first time you meet them or am I the lucky one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's probably that's a good way to handle that. Or definitely is like, well, nice to meet you too. Well, so the, I kind of want to segue into real quick, you know, our, our profession has been, I don't know if stigmatized is the correct term, but characterized as having high suicide rates, high rates of mental health, um, depression, um, even substance abuse, um, things like that to cope. Whereas uh, with the life of being a dental professional, which on the outside looking in, most people think all you do is sit around and count your money on the trees that are growing in your backyard, <laughs> right? Um, um, but that's not the case. And um, why do you, you know, do you feel like the, the psychology of, of people, you know, they would say, I hate the dentist. It has to resonate from the fear they have somewhere of going to the dentist or anxiety around, you know, dental. You know, why, why do you suppose that people feel that way? And how does that affect you as a provider? Yeah, I think um, I think it's from past experiences, right? Um, you know, and in twenty years ago, specifically with pediatric dentistry, right? We didn't they didn't have all the tools, right? That that we have now um, to make our patients feel comfortable, right? And so, with the patients that we see, it's they've had a negative experience somewhere, right? Maybe they didn't they didn't go to um, a pediatric dentist, right? Who we are you know, not only primary care providers, but we're also specialists. We're trained in how to manage fearful patients. We're trained in how to give them a good experience. We have the ability to um, use medications to help them if we need to. But I think for the patients that we see, most of us, they've had a neg negative experience at some point, right? Um, and, and that's all it is, is it's fear and they've had some negative experience, right? And so um, I get it, right? you know? I wonder if some of that factors, some of what factors into that, feeling um, negatively towards going to the dentist is also the disappointment factor, a little bit of anxiety around, you know, maybe you haven't been taking the best care of your teeth. Maybe you have been, but you really don't know until you go to the dentist how your teeth are and how healthy your mouth is. And a lot of times that report is good, but sometimes it's not. And I, so I wonder if some of that is factored in, in because of the disappointment in yourself. You know, it's almost like a shameful experience, right? For like, sure. I, I knew I should have been taking better care of my teeth. I know I don't floss. And I tell patients, hey, back in the day when this dates me, we have TVs on the ceilings, you know, distractions like the name of the game. And as far as pediatric dentists go, and in fact, sometimes the parents are like, hey, the TV's really loud. Can you turn it down? It's like, no, because I don't want your child to hear what we're talking about, <laughs> right? Or, or even figure out what's going on. You know, I want the distraction. Right, right. right. Yeah, and this is working great. Um, but they used to have posters on the ceiling that you would look up and read. At least mine did. Did you have that experience of looking up at the ceiling and having like while your teeth are clean? They have I just, I just, well, when the teeth were cleaned, it was usually a military dentist. And, oh. 
It was just, so no. my, I was more scared of my dad than anything that the dentist could do, right? So I went in there, I shut up, and I did what I needed to do. So, you know, when I was younger, the times that we did go, um, you know, which, which, like I said, when I was really young, it wasn't very often. It was probably, you know, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something like that when, when I finally went and remember it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I went, it was, there was no, it wasn't fun, right? But I wasn't necessarily scared either. Um, you know, to go, it was like, Hey, once my teeth are numb, go ahead, do your yeah. thing, right? Let's get this taken care of. Cause the pain that I'm experiencing when I'm eating my Skittles, right. As a 12 year old, right. Is worse than I want that gone. Right. So did you experience? Um, yeah, for pain? sure. For sure. In your life? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's, I remember, right. I was, cause I would, I just eat garbage. Right. When I was that age, I could go to the vending machine and get a soda and some, some candy. I would, I would do that. And then my teeth started hurting and I was like, okay, that's when I'm going to, I remember just saying, I'm not going to eat that crap anymore because I don't want to have this pain and I don't want to have to go have fillings. Right. Did that you know? weigh into you becoming a dentist? Um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that experience did. Um, like I said, I think it's more just that I, I wanted to help people work with my hands and do that and, and wanted a quality of life that, um, I felt like it could, it could provide me, right. I felt like it was a good, a good option to, um, you know, being on call in a hospital all the time. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, um, where I was going with the but, ceiling. Oh, no, no, I was going to say, go back to your question. Do I think like, you know, people, um, about the disappointment that they have, right. That, that they're going to get this yeah. negative report. I think in, um, for, for our patients specifically, I think it's based in fear for, Older patients, right? I think it may be kind of an excuse as to why they didn't show up for so long, right? It could sure. be truly, they're truly yeah. scared, but it could just be, I know this can be a negative report. How am I going to get out of this yeah. with the dentist? Well, I haven't been there for seven years. People don't really you know. like to get bad news, right? Right. right. And so, and, and I think we know that. And I think somehow, sometimes their reaction at least weighs on me as a provider, you know, their disappointment or even their shock. And then um, even... When I appreciate when a patient tells me they're scared and they're anxious, but it makes me a little more anxious too because I want that much more to be more that right. gentle. It puts, puts more and pressure on you. Yeah, I want right? to have so a, like this give has them to a be good a good experience. experience. Yeah, absolutely. And th but even worse, you got a patient, especially using when they're a little older, it seems, and they're like just <laughs> it's like okay, what's real, what's not, and it's stressful. You're trying to figure yeah. out is this yeah. person really, you know, in pain? Is this person just really not want to be here? And that does impact my overall mental outlook for the day. If I'm not careful, I have to be disciplined to realize this is, you know, um, an extenuating circumstance. This for is sure. not an internal circumstance. I don't necessarily have to internalize this. Right. But it's right. it has been difficult for me to do that in the past. Yeah, hugely difficult, right? I mean, if you have... Uh, patient and things don't go the way that you want or you know for me the way I want right or I expect myself to be able to give them that experience it it can it can really affect me you know um it, it yeah it can it can kind of ruin your whole day right because yeah. because you put that pressure at least I, I won't say you I said for me I put that pressure on myself right it's like hey I'm the specialist here. I'm supposed to be able to get this kid through this. I'm supposed to be able to do what I told the parent I was going to do. Right. And so when oh, it that, but they took a day off work to be yeah, there. Right. There's like, a whole there's lot a of things personal writing sacrifice. on this hour appointment. Right? right. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if I don't get this done, they're going to have to, you know, reschedule. It's going to cost them more money. They took a day off work. Right. The kid's not going to want to come back. We, you know, so there's all these things writing on the pressure that I put on myself. Right. It's like, I, this has to work, right? I need to do this. And so, yeah, when it doesn't, a lot of times you, I blame myself, right? I'm like, what did I do wrong? You know, why did I do that? Why, you know, and I may have done nothing wrong at all. It's just a three-year-old, right. right? Or a four-year-old that who knows, you know, I mean, You're doing a root on a four-year-old. Yeah. Right. That's not exactly. good for a 40 year old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so yeah. we, and we don't know what the, the, the situation is at home. Maybe the kid didn't sleep at all. Right. Maybe they were whatever. Right. You know, um, so and one yeah. thing, let's jump in real quick. Just as I brought up yeah. doing a root canal on a four-year-old, I just thought there'd be people thinking you do root canals on four-year-olds. Is that barbaric or necessary? Why, 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 do, why, why does that happen? So yes, I mean, it's, it's definitely not barbaric. Um, we recommend it when it's needed. 
um, because a lot of times that's the, but they're the just, treatment of choice. They're right? just baby teeth. They're just going to fall out anyway, right? They will, but when are they going to fall out? Right. That's the question that we that we have to explain to parents a lot of times because that's that's a question we get all the time, right? Like, why are we going to do all this? They're baby teeth. They're going to fall out, right? Well, like, well, your child is four, okay, and they're going to have those back baby teeth uh, until they're ten to twelve years old, right? And so, if we do nothing for the next six years, your child's going to experience pain, infection. We're going to be extracting teeth, as we talked about, you know, previously. They're not going to be growing, developing, and eating correctly if they're experiencing that pain, right? And so we know as dental providers that maintaining the tooth in that arch is going to be the best thing to allow the adult teeth to come into the correct position too, rather than just taking teeth out, right? And so we have to explain so helps, that. Helps growth and development happen correctly yes. by maintaining the health of your, your baby teeth as yes, well. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that you brought up too that nutritional aspect of and I don't always factor that into my discussions with parents, but I will moving forward. That was really good information to think of. Like if you're not able to eat because it hurts, you're not going to eat an orange or a pineapple uh, because that's going to have, that's, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Right. And, and um, so you're going to be more likely to be nutritionally deficient and that 100%. impacts your entire body, hundred percent, right. including your ability for your teeth to stay strong. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's in our patient population, a hundred percent, it affects their total body because they're growing and developing. Right. Especially their you brains. Yeah. yeah. Yep. For sure. Wow. That's good. That's, that's, that's good tactical information. I will be able to use Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah. No that's problem. one of the reasons I love working with this guy. Yeah. Thank um, you. So a couple this uh, number two on the list, you come to your appointment and it's obviously you haven't brushed in days. <laughs> Now, I, most of our patients do a pretty decent job on the day of, you can tell they come in, their gums are hammered because they've been like, trying I to brush today. Yeah. I've like, lost right. seven times on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be, I brush today. I'm like, good. Let's try and do that every day, buddy. <laughs> I am guilty of that. I have done that. <laughs> and we know, we know if you just brush today or if you've been brushing, you know, we also know if you just ate Oreos, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which is the worst, by the way, please don't do that. Don't give your kids Oreos on the way to come see us. That is the worst. You've seen that? Oh, yeah. Really? Oreos, cake, black stuff everywhere. I, I did that oh, one time in dental school. We were doing exams on each other. And, you know, when that was my, my uh, partner was going to do my exam, I ran in the back room and ate a bunch of Oreos and then sat down and opened my mouth. Oh. And they're just like, what the? <laughs> um, all right. This is number three. After we've spent hours meticulously repairing your teeth, you complain about the bill. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and thankfully, I mean, we don't have to personally deal with that too much. Right. But we always know. Um, How many times to, has somebody said, is it going to be a boat payment for you? Or, you know, yeah, I hear that every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not paying for, you know, like, my, no, my boat, boat payment or is, whatever else. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's like you're paying for my expertise to take care of your child. Right. You well, how, how right. much, how much money did you spend? How much money have you spent educating yourself to the point where you can provide the level of care you do? Yeah. Of exactly. your own money. Before you were making money, how much money did you spend? Uh, it was over, it was probably close to $400,000. I going to say, yeah. Probably close to $400,000. Um, and I just looked recently. Now, let me clarify that. So my dental education was probably around just the tuition, okay, was probably around 200,000 plus, okay? Just the tuition. On top of that, you can't have a job, right? So you have to take out loans to live on, right? And I had a family, right? So I was taking out an, another 30,000 in private loans on top of that so I could live um, and take care of my family, you know? And then whatever else, you're ta everything's on loans for four years, right? right. Um, I recently looked at the tuition at a couple of the local schools here, and it was $98,000 a year. A year. A year. So just tuition so just, alone. Just tuition has 
doubled in the past 15 years, right? From wow. when it was 46 when I went for one year, and now it's $98,000. where you went to school? Is it there, your alma mater? Is that the choice? No, no, there, no, no. It was, I, I didn't check Creighton where I went uh, to school. I wasn't going to throw Creighton under the bus. That's why I didn't say Yeah, no, I, I think Creighton's less expensive than some of the local ones here. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But Creighton is a private dental school, so typically private schools are going to be more expensive. Well, like A.T. Stills? Yeah, A.T. Stills or, Northwestern. or Midwe- Midwestern. Midwestern. Yeah, or Midwestern, right? Um, and so just the education alone you know, now is close to a half million dollars and that's not including what you have to take out to live on. So I've heard of people coming out of dental school with over 600,000. If you go to residency on top of that and you, in, you don't get paid in residency, certain residencies you get paid, certain ones you don't. So if you had to pay tuition on top of that, seven, $800,000 in debt when you come out of school. That's right? before a practice loan of right. equal, if, yeah. equal amount. Yeah, yeah. if you <laughs> right? go start a practice, you're taking out another huge amount of money to start the practice, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, th- that's one of the things. You're you're not paying for my boat. You're helping me pay for the education <laughs> so that I can take care of your kids. Yeah, you're right? helping me pay for the education I received eight years ago or 10 yeah. years ago or yeah. whatever. And, and you're helping keep the doors open so I can provide this service for you as a large portion of what, you know, right. you're, you're paying for. Yeah. And, and in fact, by the numbers, a large portion, I mean, it's a well-run dental office. If you can get to an NOI of 60% or 40, 40, uh, 60% is fantastic. 40%, yeah. right? So 60% of what everything you make goes to the expenses. Right. right? And that's actually ex- extraordinarily that's really NOI. Good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and Cause generally usually, usually most NOIs, 75, 80%. Yeah. yeah right? Most NOIs yeah. around 20% profit. So of every dollar we might make 20 cents, you know, maybe. Yeah. And that's, that's, and, and that's if you're meeting your overhead and that's in good months. Right. Right. Um, right. During the pandemic, that was a different story. We barely stayed open. Yeah. You know, we, um, that was, that was, and, but all that, the reason I bring that up, man, all of that factored at least into my <clears throat> mental health, really the overall mental health picture, uh, because there's an inherent amount of stress that you're under the gun from the beginning. Before I even had my first job, I was, you know, six figures in debt. Right. Right. I go to, start a practice, you know, I become multiple more six figures in debt. And, um, I have a family to feed. This is my livelihood. This is my job. Um, uh, I, I feel, do you, do you feel that that's a factor and that plays into the mental health of, of dental professionals? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, it, stress, I think is probably the number one thing. Um, you know, we're dealing with in the, the type of procedures that we do, you know, and I think you've said this too, millimeters make a difference. Yeah, we live and die by half a millimeter. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) it's not like, um, you know, if, if I suture your arm up, cool, it's good. I mean, your body fixes itself. Teeth don't do that. Right. Like it's all on how well I do my job as, um, you know, how well that restoration, um, that filling is going to last. Right. And so there's a lot of stress with that alone. So you've got financial stress, you've got your personal life, your family, the job itself is stressful. Plus we're dealing with kids. We sedate kids. Right. And so there's, there's that whole aspect of stress too. Um, plus even, you know, if, if you own your practice, like you said, right, you're dealing with that whole aspect too, right? You've, you've got hiring and firing and personnel issues and all this other stuff even if you don't own the practice, right? You're still there, right? You're still in charge of everything. You're still responsible. You're the one that has the license, right? So it doesn't matter if you own it or not, whatever happens that day is on my license. If I'm there by myself, right? It's my license, right? And I have to go in and take accountability for that, right? And so, you know, there's that whole aspect, you know, provides this huge amount of stress. Um, I'm glad you, you know. And one thing I really appreciate about you is you mentioned, you know, Patients don't necessarily know the quality of the work that Correct. You know, yeah, is done no in the idea. mouth, right? Yeah. They, they just know how they feel. And they know how yeah. they were treated, and they know whether or not it hurts before and whether or not it hurts after, right? But they essentially don't know how good of a job you did. And the one thing I appreciate about you and as far as our practice, I've always, it's always been a must, a non-negotiable thing for me is, is the ethics of the providers has to be impeccable. You know, you, we, we do good work. We, we do the right thing and we do it well. And yeah. I appreciate that very much about you. No, and, and I, love, I love working in a practice where um, we've got great providers right now and I can go look and, and look at the x-rays from, you know, Dr. So-and-so and I'm like, sweet, 
those look good, right? Right. <laughs> There's nothing better than six months later because you don't even know on your own work, right? You know, over time, you're like, I do exceptional work, right? Because you've seen the results. But, you know, you, you get a new provider in, you're like, well, we're not going to find out how well this is for six months when we get new x-rays, right? But well, it's nice right now where we have great providers where I can look and be like, and I'm at the point too, I'm like, uh, that's Dr. So-and-so's fillings and they look <laughs> right. good. Or I'm like, did I do those or did so-and-so do those, right? Because they looked good. And then I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love it because they're great, right? And, and it's nice to work with people like that and have a team together that you don't have to worry about the type of treatment they're doing right right you but i appreciate I mean? too that we can see the same patients like and i'll come up with the treatment plan and you'll see the patient or you'll come up with the treatment plan and i'll see the patient and we're t- we're calibrated to what we feel yeah, is ideal pretty, enough it's to where it's, similar. it's almost the identical treatment plan right. every time and right. half the time when it's off you know it'll be like uh, it's a little, that, that one part of this treatment plan is a little weird. Who treatment plan that? I look back. Most times it's me. Yeah, I know. I do that all the time too. I'm like, who did this? I'm like, I'll look at the girls and I'll be like, is this my fault? <laughs> and they're like, yep. <laughs> like who wanted to do this? I'm like, oh yeah, that was me. Okay. From the outside right. looking in, uh, it seems like, cause us is like, we as humans are very, uh, receiving, uh, reassurance or satisfaction from an outside perspective is always like what boosts our morale and stuff like that. But what it sounds like in the practice that you guys are in, it doesn't receive that a whole lot. So when people with dealing with mental uh, struggles of any kind, because the thing for anxiety that I was always told was one of the practices of anxiety, don't seek reassurance because that's like, that's what people use as like a crutch, but it helps humans like on a day-to-day basis. So like on, when I'm hearing your stories, it's like people don't, there's no reassure. They're like no feedback of like, Oh, Hey, thanks. This was great. Like this was, there, there's not, and there's no, it's kind of, you have well, to be satisfied. There's not, it does happen. Like just as like, far as the quality of your work, right? Like oh, the parents yeah. can be quality. They can be happy and the patients can be happy with the experience. Right? right. But you have to be content with doing a good job and knowing that yourself. Right. Because the only other people that are ever going to know is like, if, if Dr. Carmichael looks at my x-rays and goes, Hey, that's a nice feeling. Right. Or this mm-hmm. is a nice one. If they right? go to a Great different job or if they or go, they go, go to a different provider. office. Right. You know, and they may, whatever they say, right? But you're 100% right, is you don't get that external... Yeah, it's not know. like real estate where they're like enthusiastically like just thanking you up and down for like a new house or something. Well, you, you know, know what I mean? So it's like... But it's just like this last week. And coincidentally, since I've been healthier um, the last month, uh, I just feel like there's been a better vibe in the office. And pay, I feel like parents have been more vocal recently. At least I've noticed. And maybe I was just... Not cool. in a good place to understand it, but um, I, I feel like people have been more complimentary. We do hear more. We love coming in here. Or, you guys are the best. Or, you know, we had a, I had a patient Thursday that told me they drive four hours to come see us. I mean, they probably wow. drive by a hundred pediatric dentists. And I asked her, I was like, and I said, you know, I thank you for telling me that. It really makes me feel good. Why would you do that? <laughs> and she says, you're the only people we trust. That's awesome. Yeah. And, 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 I, and we have more than one patient that does that too. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. we have some that come from North Scottsdale right? and they drive the 45 minutes to Avondale. Yeah. Right? And like, patients from Maricopa and Yuma, yep, like yep. all over. Yeah. I know. Like, hey, we, we come see you guys cause we know you're going to do the right thing. And you know, you've been taking care of our kids for a long time. And so one thing I will say too, is uh, getting healthier, like not, you know, getting healthy, having a daily routine, um, um, exercising, eating correctly, doing things intentionally to have a positive mental outlook. I noticed, I asked you, I was like, Hey, things just seem better around here recently. Like, um, everybody seems happier. The staff seems more friendly. The parents, you know, it just seems like they're a better vibe in the office. And I asked you, I was like, what did you feel the difference was? You mentioned that the last time we shot. Yeah. And you, you said, well, um, I think it's you, man. Yeah, I, did. I was like, it's you. It's you. That's it. Right. hundred yeah, percent. I mean, and so when I was yeah. having, you know, and I, when I was having, um, the, you know, issues with depression, with our marriage, with all the things we've been going through my midlife crisis, 
I I felt like I did a decent job not letting it affect the outcome of patient care. Right. But the delivery of patient care, as far as like my demeanor, was certainly suffered. And I didn't realize what an impact that had on the rest of the office. And I started thinking, I wonder how many owners or, or business owners, dentists themselves are frustrated with their teams and they don't realize maybe they're more of the problem than, than they want to admit to themselves. A hundred percent, you know, um, my dad, always, he had this book called tidbits, right? And it had all these little sayings in it. And some of them were quotes from people wherever, right? I don't know where this one comes from, but he's in there. It, it, every organization is 100% aligned to get the results they're getting. Right. And a lot of that starts, I think hundred percent of it starts with the leadership, right? You know, you can't, it, everybody feeds off of the leaders in that organization, you know, and when the leaders are healthier, then everything just kind of falls in line with that regard. Right. Um, your, your employees, don't have to tiptoe around or whatever, right? Or, oh man, I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, is Dr. B angry this morning? Is he upset? <laughs> whatever, right? right? He's not smiling. He's whatever, right? And that affects everyone, right? And so, um, yeah, 100%. You know, if if we're healthier, right, in the practice, I think it makes it easier for everything else to just flow, right? Um, so, so, yeah. So, 75 hard saving the dental practice and the marriage. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andy. That yeah, like, sure. <laughs> I, I, t- I like to do like 56 hard. Yeah. That's what I do. I'm 56, 25 hard, 56 hard, and nine hard. Those are my programs. That <laughs> <I do. laughs> well, but see, what I'm doing, I'm intentionally dragging it out. I was just so going to say. The benefits for a longer period of time. I was going to say, I think what you're secretly doing is making sure you stay in those programs as long as possible. Right. Like so if I just get back, I'd be like, okay, cool, I did it. I'm done. Right now, I just have to keep starting over. Anybody can, yeah. Anybody can want it done. Right, right. I'll, I'll, the get I'll, get I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. That's good. funny. I was, I was trying right. to see um, a couple of these other ones. Like, I think you know on that on that note too, as far as mental health goes, right? The physical portion of that is huge, right? Like physical activity is a huge part of my mental health, right? And in general, I think you can make that argument for sure, right? The healthier you are physically and physically exercising, getting out there, it, it does wonders, right? At least it releases endorphins, right? And and it, it just helps all around your mental health being active, right? Absolutely, yes. You know, even if you're not struggling with some type of addiction or substance or alcohol or whatever it is, if you're just sitting on the couch being unhealthy, your mental health is gonna suffer. Yeah, if you play video yeah. games all day long right. yeah, or if in your, re, in, your, in your free time, what you seek for leisure... If, you know, like you said, if you're just sitting in front of the TV and just letting your brain veg out, that's not really good for your brain. Right. Yep. And, and it also isn't good for you because you realize that you let yourself down. You could have taken that opportunity to sharpen the ax, so to speak, you know, give yourself more of an edge, but you realize you didn't. And some days you just don't have it in you. And you know what? Some days it's okay to do that. Yeah. Right. Some days it's okay just to take a break. Right? But when so, that becomes okay your like... Right. Your daily routine, that's when... Yeah. yeah, when your daily routine is seeking refuge from any effort. Yeah, right? yeah there's a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to kind of get out of life what you put into it, for sure. Um, what else you got? All right, so I tell you you have a cavity and you need a filling. And you wait months or even years to let that necessary work get done. And have you ever had that happen? All the time, <laughs> all the time. And, and for... For us as pediatric dentists, that's the one of the hardest things too is because I, I might be frustrated at the parent, right? Because it's really their fault, right? It's not the kid's fault. I feel bad for my patient. I'm like, dang it. You know, it's been six months and now instead of needing a little filling, you need that baby root canal and, and that crown, right? <laughs> because the parent didn't follow up with the recommendation. And I get it. There's extenuating circumstances, whatever. Life happens, right? I get Finances. that, right? Yeah, whatever it is. But, you know, come talk to us. We have ways to help, even if you can't afford the baby root canal and a crown, even if you don't have insurance, right? We have ways that we can help solve that problem so your kid doesn't end up in a situation where now instead of needing a filling or even needing a baby root canal, right? They come in and the kid's face is swollen and they can barely open their eye, right? And we're considering saying, you need to go to children's hospital and sit in the, the hospital for a week and get IV antibiotics, right? So so, yeah. so, so that that's probably a shocker to some people listening that baby tooth infections, 
can't get bad enough to where people have to have IV antibiotics. Why would, why would that even be the case? Uh, 100% because you have a bacterial infection in your tooth that then spreads to the bone that will spread to the soft tissue. And now you don't just have a cavity, right? We say cavity and everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. I got a cavity, right? That's a bacterial infection of your tooth that spreads to the bone, the nerve and blood vessel. Then it spreads to the soft tissue of your face. And now you have a systemic bacterial infection of your head and neck. Right. And there's a lot of vital structures in your head and neck. Right. And there's a lot of spaces. And now it doesn't happen super often because we we're on top of it. Right. We know we get our kids on antibiotics when we need to so we can prevent that. But if we make recommendations and then you don't show up for a year. Right. And that next time your your kid comes back. Yeah. The face is swollen. 100 percent. You might need to go to children's hospital. You know, we probably put I don't know. I probably put two kids in the hospital a year. Recommend I call up the hospitalist and say, hey, I'm glad you clarified. You recommend you don't put two kids in the hospital. So we recommend recommend they go based on their infection, not because they saw you. Yeah, they saw me. I put it. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Sorry, guys. Dang, bro. Let's not talk about that today. I'm the best. But (laughs) I call the hospitalist at children's hospital and say, hey, I need you to admit my patient. Because they have, you know, an odontogenic infection that spread to their face and they need IV antibiotics before we can do treatment. So, and I think, you know, uh, the general public, I didn't realize this until I was in my dental education that it's, it's pretty consistently just under a hundred kids a year die in the United States from untreated tooth infections. Wow. And, um, I mean, we're not talking the third world. We're talking, that's in the United States, kids. You know, and there's, and I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure there are adults too. That I think there are. Yeah, I don't know what they are, but I know, I know there's the X number, right, of adults that die from dental infections, uh, untreated right? dental infections. Uh, so it's it's not just a baby tooth. You know, it's their tooth. That's what I tell right. parents. Hey, this this is not just a baby tooth. This is your child's tooth. Just like well, your tooth is going to be in your mouth until it falls out, so is theirs. But right now, it's their tooth, just like your tooth is your tooth. And it's it's part of your body, right? We right. We, we become detached from our teeth that they're not part of our body. We're just like, yeah, throw it away, right? Take it out, no big deal. It's like it's just your pinky finger. Well, we well, just chop it off, right? Well, in, in similarity, it's similar. It's similar in. Um, you know, I guess origin at least to your skin, hair, and nails, right? Yeah, from 100%. You know, our, from the ectoderm. Yep. And um, the uh, how much money do most of our parents that bring those kids in spend on their nails, hair, and skin, <laughs> right? right? And they want, they seek that out, man. It's like, it's like priority number one, go yeah. to the med spa, get the, you know, get the treatments, get the eyelashes, get the nails done, you know, get the hair done, get the makeup done. Right, they rarely spend money, but they come to the teeth, screeching halt on the brakes. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Right. Well, why don't you just not do your hair, nails, and, and got to be a priority, right? <laughs> right? Like for a, for one month, and yeah. I think we're looking we're at a decent chunk here. Right. I mean, it's an opportunity. Yeah. It is an opportunity cost in in most people's lives where they have to decide. Um, but you know, it's it's like okay, well, maybe don't buy the Gucci shoes and pay for your. I, I don't know. There there are ways that you can decide to to help prioritize your kids' teeth and their health. But I think, and most people would had they yeah. true if they truly understood the importance, if they truly understood the stakes and what was going on. Yeah, and that's that's the hard part is how do we how do we help help people understand that right? Because I think as a profession, we've been trying to do that right. We used to not see kids till they were four or five, and now we're like, hey, we need to see them at age one when their first tooth comes in so we can educate our parents so that we can prevent a lot of this stuff. I think that went back to, they didn't have the treatment modalities that we have today. And maybe, yeah, that's probably, yeah, hundred percent. They couldn't handle kids under three years old in the chair without having a rodeo. Yeah. It's like, what are we supposed to do? And even then, right. It was like, okay, they're three. What am I going to do? You know? So here's this one. I think we can speak a lot to this is number five. You come to me so I can help you, but you make it hard for me to do a good job. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 yeah. You come in, I'll tell you what we need to do, and then you want to tie one of my hands behind my back, right? Because you don't want to follow the recommendations, right? And the first thing that comes to mind is all, you know, we need to sedate your kid, or we need to, you know, put your kid to sleep. And yes, well, I'm not comfortable with sedation. Not my kid. So, I'm not comfortable yeah. So what? So what you're telling me is that you're comfortable psychologically scarring your kid when you pay a dentist to hold them down and do all this treatment. Can I just give him some laughing gas? Yeah, laughing gas will work in certain situations. But you know, what I'm recommending for your child, and I've done this for quite a while, you know, is that we need to do this to give your kid the best possible experience, right? And so, a lot of times, it, 
and get it. It's a financial thing, but we have ways we can help you work through that stuff. But when they tell me that they don't, they don't want to pay for that and they want me to, you know, work miracles on a three-year-old, right? And I know it's not going to work. That's, that's, that's why it's so hard, right? Is because we, 90% of the time, I would say, maybe even higher than that, 95% of the time, we can, we read the situation correctly and we know the type of treatment and the type of sedation or whatever we need to do um, to help our patients through it, you know? But when the parents don't listen to that, they can make the whole thing much more difficult, yeah. right? Very true. And in the end, a lot of times it ends up costing more, right? Because they don't want to pay our anesthesiologist, right? His fee. And so we try something that I don't really want to try because I'm pretty sure it's not going to work. And then they pay me to do that. And then I have to walk out and say, hey, guess what? That didn't work. Now you have to pay the anesthesiologist anyway, right? And so that happens too, right? Where it just costs more because they didn't take the recommendation. I think there is a, I think part of that is, yeah, they not not understanding why that might be helpful or necessary, right? So some of that's a miss on explaining that, and sometimes the parents just don't want to. They don't they don't ever feel it's necessary because I didn't have one when I was a kid. But then you ask them, well, okay, how much do you love going to the dentist? Oh, I hate going to the dentist. Well, we're trying not to have the same right. outcome. Yeah, we want your kid. <laughs> we're trying to change that up a little like, bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Um, but then there also is the, the actual rational and real fear that, of, of things that people don't understand and anesthesia being a very big part of that. Sure. Right. So we, we have an anesthesiologist, you know, in, in office at least two days a week usually. And we'll see, see 10 to 10 to 14 kids in that week and under general anesthesia, um, because the, either the dental need was that much or the anxiety or whatever factors that, um, made a made general anesthesia an appropriate option to recommend. Uh, but people seem reluctant a lot of times to do that because it's unsafe and they hear every once in a while of a really bad outcome that's happened in a dental office with kids in anesthesia. Yeah, no, that, 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 that does happen very, very rarely. Right. But I think parents, um, you know, our, our new system set up to report all the negative stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And so they hear that one case, and, and then that's what's, that's what they, they go off and that's what they're basing it off of. But that's when it's our job to, you know, inform them and educate them on, you know, why we need to do it. Right. And the fact that it is a safe procedure, right. And doing it another way might be more dangerous. Right. You know what I mean? I've got a screaming kid and I'm trying to work with tiny little crowns and I drop one and now your kid aspirates it. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it's it just comes down to our job to to help them understand or even better, right? or even trying to break things into multiple appointments. The most dangerous right. thing that parents going to do is put their kid in their car and drive them around. Yeah, and especially sure. traffic these days. It, and and so the multiple appointments, um, rather trying to avoid anesthesia, doing multiple appointments actually is more dangerous, statistically worse for your child because you're more likely to have a car accident than anything else. Right, you have to drive <laughs> to the office four times instead of getting it done once. Right, right. and you know yeah. the fact that. Every once in a while, you hear about a, uh, a case of anesthesia outcomes that were not ideal. Um, speaks to generally how many cases are done successfully. Like the fact that it's done successfully, safely, and great most of the time. It's a surprise when it goes bad. You know, it's not expected for it to go bad. It's actually such a surprise that it hits the news because that hardly right, ever happens. Because it doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, it doesn't happen that often. Millions of kids a day in the United States receiving anesthesia and sedation with no bad outcomes. Right. You know, they, the news doesn't report that. Right. The news does not report that. Today, one million kids receive dental care under anesthesia and no bad outcomes. They don't do that. Right. That's <laughs> just not how it's set up, right? right? That, doesn't, that doesn't get anybody to click on anything. Right. So, um, but if they reported how many people died in Metro Phoenix every day in car accidents, I bet you'd think twice about driving to work the next time. Or more in, yeah. There's, there's tons of statistics, statistics that you could throw out there, right, in that regard. How about number six? You call and say, my tooth didn't hurt before you worked on it. You know, fortunately, we don't, kids are pretty resilient, right? So I, get, I guess I see that more with um, some of our teenage patients, right? Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen that often, like in our practice. Like I can think of like, once or twice in the last year that we've had that. Like, honestly, I don't, I don't get that a lot. Like I don't either. Almost, almost never. We get the opposite a lot. Like you spoke to in part one where the kids um, having pain, discomfort from their dental 
issues and not seeking the proper nutrition or, or, you know, being in pain. When we go in and are able to fix those problems and the kids recover and the report quite often is we didn't realize how much pain they were in because all of a sudden now they have an appetite. All of a sudden now they eat all of a sudden, you know, now they're doing better and thriving. And sometimes failure to thrive cases. I had a patient recently who came in for an emergency and he had um, a, his permanent first molar had an abscess at a young age. He wasn't, he was 11 years old. Um, and his parents had been taking him to Phoenix Children's because he was having pain, but he had been seeing specialists for trigeminal neuralgia and other things, neurologists and other medical providers because he was having tooth pain from a dental cavity. Mm-hmm. But the medical profession didn't even look in his mouth. Because if they would have looked in his mouth, they would have been able to see, oh my gosh, more than half of this permanent molar is gone. But they didn't even look. They just said, oh yeah, these are the symptoms you have. We know how to treat those symptoms. You can take these pills. So this kid was on like tricyclic antidepressants, carbamazepine, other things to try to get his trigeminal neuralgia to calm down. And all of a sudden I extract this molar and I said, hey, how's he doing with his trigeminal neuralgia? Like it's totally gone. I was like, any, like any symptoms? None, none. Like it's totally gone. And it's been a couple months now and it hasn't come back at all. Leads me to believe that that poor kid was probably dealing with this pain from this tooth. And he had a hypoplastic first molar. That tooth did not have a great chance of living life without problems because of the way it was formed and came in that way. But that's not, that's, that's a rare condition, but that does happen as well. And I just felt bad for the kid. Like, you know, and I feel bad for the parents. How long have they been taking him and being misdiagnosed and treated for something that it's not? Yeah, right. I mean, and I've I've experienced that same thing with younger kids, right? And parents are like, "Oh, they won't." You know, they're going to see specialists because the kid won't eat, right? Um, and then I'm like, "Well, your kid needs a ton of dental treatment, right? This could be a huge factor in what's going on, right?" And same thing, like, "Yep, yeah, little little Timmy's eating fine now." You know what I mean? After we got everything taken care of, but yeah, you know, and in in our um, physician friend's defense, right? I think they get about four hours of dental education in medical school. Right. So, you know, they kind of skip that whole part of the body. Right. Which, and so do you feel that'll change moving forward? Because we have I mean, right now we're proving there's an oral systemic connection to, you know, oral health and, and your general health. So, you know, if you're if you have poor oral health, typically you have higher inflammation generally in your in the rest of your body. And we've seen with diabetes both both ways. You have diabetics that have bad teeth. And so if you, if you clean up their diabetes and their blood sugar levels, all those things get better, their teeth improve. And the other converse is, has been proven to be true. If you clean their teeth up and get them to optimal periodontal health and, and odontogenic health, their diabetes improves. Um, and, is, and there's a, a direct correlation. So I, I wonder, do you feel, feel that will be changing or, or just continue to be a miss? I hope so. I think it will improve a little bit, but I think that division that happened between medicine and dentistry, you know, hundred something years ago. Right. Um, I think that's kind of the industries have been so separated and divided. I don't know that that it'll ever come back. Right. And be completely integrated. Um, but I think there's definitely going to be an improvement, um, you know, with the education that physicians receive as far as, you know, oral health and at least, Hey, let's check this. Right. Um, and, and I found out in, in residency, because we were there in at children's hospital, right? It was always, Hey, get a dental consult, right? When we have a kid with something going on like that. Right. So I think there are some institutions where it is a priority and they, they, they are trained on that, um, you know, more so than others. We had combined rotations. We rotated through the pediatric residency. Um, and then the pediatric medical residents spent some time in our pediatric dental clinics. And we, so there was a little bit of a shared education going on in residency, but that's in a post, you know, postdoctoral level, right? That's right. when you're in your residency, you may right. or may not get exposed to that as a physician. Correct. And, right. and that was a pediatric specific residency. There are many pediatricians. And so, you know, that's a small segment of that medical community, but I certainly think it would be beneficial to the public to have more of a broader education there or even an open discussion, especially since Pfizer doesn't sell things that that fix your teeth. So they're not right. really going to fund medical education any other way either. We just threw Pfizer under the bus, but no, it's not just, right. it's not just Pfizer, the pharmaceutical industry, the law medical lobbies, we get into a lot of politics, but it's a super complicated dynamic that has shaped 
our medical and dental educations. 100%. And, um, you know, and, and it's not anything more sinister than it costs money to educate medics, our, our doctors and dentists. Right. And, and it is an exorbitant cost. And there's got to be a way to help mitigate those costs or else we will not be turning out doctors and dentists at all. Right. And it's, it's a societal problem. Yeah, there, there'll be a tipping point, right, where it, it costs too much, right, to where people are going to be like, hey, I'm not going to go into that profession, right, right. because the, the, the amount of... Well, already, I mean, you have a son that's think, wanting to go to dental school. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you guiding him that way? So what, what we've talked about is that um, because of how expensive dental school is, that um, a military scholarship is a great way to help pay for that education. Also give him some great experience. Um, you know, I was in the military. I come from a family of military uh, members. And so that's an understatement. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's about your family. Yeah. We were all <laughs> a little humble. Yeah. Whatever. So, I beat this guy. I was like, Hey, were you in the military? Do you remember your response? You're like, I don't know. I don't remember. You're like, yeah, I was para rescue man. Right. Yeah, um, I was a PJ, but my brothers were all Navy SEALs. My dad was a Navy SEAL. I mean, it's not just a family of military. <laughs> well, yeah, so so we were we were it's like all, the upper echelon military. Yeah, we were we were all in the we were all in the military. My dad my dad was a naval officer. He wasn't a SEAL, but my older brother was a Navy SEAL. Uh, my younger brother was a Navy officer, um, and then my youngest brother is a. Uh, in the air force. Okay. Maybe um, I overstated but, it, but, but yeah, a little overstated, <laughs> but yeah. So still very, admirable. Um, but yeah, so, so I think that's a great way for him to not have that burden of debt coming out of dental school. If that's the way he chooses to go, or if he goes into medicine, I'll, I'll still recommend that he does that. Um, because it's a great experience. It is a great scholarship he can reduce that level of stress that we talked about, right? That can weigh on your mental health as a, as a healthcare prof- professional, um, having that huge load of debt right when you walk out, right? You're brand new. You've got enough stress trying to figure out how to be a new dentist or a new doctor, right? I mean, like that's stressful in and of itself, even when you're trained to a very high level, right? You're still walking out and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I don't have a professor here to help me. I make all the decisions, right? So you've got that. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to try and coax him in that direction, right? And say, Hey man, you should consider doing this. Do your five years, pay them back. And if you want do 20 years, right. And, and retire. So that, that's kind of how we're going to private practice. Yeah. That's how we're going to, you know, approach it or I'm going to try and help him. And he's, I think he's on board with it. Um, you know, I think he's, he's open to it and coming from a military family, I think it'll, um, you know, be a little bit easier for him to to approach it that way. Well, I want to hit one more of these. which should probably wrap up. It says number 10 is when I tell you, you grind your teeth, you deny it as if I am accusing you of having a horrible disease or being a baby murderer. Oh. <laughs> we, <laughs> I think it's a funny statement. Yeah. That one is, that one is kind of funny. And, and that one, I feel like, you know, I don't experience that a whole lot either. Right. We get parents with that sure. question. Right. You know what I mean? Um, they don't, they're, they're more concerned with it. Right. They're like, Hey, my kid grinds her teeth. So I think in, in pediatric dentistry, they, they um, bring it to our attention more so than say with general dentistry. Right. Um, and where they may be a little bit defensive, uh, an adult patient with their general dentist when they bring that up. Um, but for us, it's, you know, I hear my kid, you know, grinding their teeth all night long, you know, a little four year old, right. What do I do? And, the answer is basically nothing, right? There's not much you can do with a kid. Wake him up every 10 yeah, minutes. Right. Make sure tell him to stop grinding. Like the only way you can stop is if you want to stay up all night and massage their jaw, right? To get him to stop. But the vast majority of kids grow out of that, right? What causes um, that? So it's, we don't know 100%, right? But part of it's the anatomy of the jaw. I was jaw, glad he got that question. Right. Part of it's the anatomy of the jaw, right? Your, your TMJ joint is not very developed, right? So you don't have that kind of ball and socket locking in there with kids. It's a flatter. There's not a a big eminence. It's flat. And so the jaw is more mobile. Um, Teeth are erupting. So you don't have a bunch of intercuspation, right? Um, And so those are the, the, a couple of the anatomical things that can lead to it. Um, But we don't know a hundred percent, right? Certainly. Sometimes medications um, can increase that, Um, you know, stress with kids, maybe because, you know, that might be part of it, but I don't know. As I um, say, I think anxiety plays into anxiety, it. Anxiety. Um, um, and then also, too, if you have 
I mean, it could be a marker for a kid in a distressful situation. It could, could be a be, marker right? of a normal kid in a normal situation. Yeah. You know, and sometimes airway obstruction plays into it. But yeah, I, I don't that. believe that it always does. Like some yeah. of the, there was a trend like every 100% of the time, you know, it's, these kids have sleep apnea, the sleep, the sleep dentistry trend. Yeah. I mean, um, but I don't think it always plays into it. So it is an indicator of something's going on. One thing that's important to realize and take away, though, for parents, I think, is if you have a grinding patient or a, a child who grinds their teeth or if you grind your teeth as um, an adult, it is hard on your dental restorations. It's hard on your natural teeth. Your natural teeth are the absolute strongest things that are ever going to be in your mouth. And we're pretty great at what we do, but we're not as great as your body was at making your original tooth. And we won't be that good. Um, so, you know, anything we do, if you have a filling or if you have a crown, it's going to have a shorter lifespan if you're a grinder. Just like, you know, a, a knee that is, you know, if you have a knee that's operated on, it's going to have a shorter lifespan in a, in a high-profile athlete than it is in an average person to a, to a certain extent. The amount of abuse that it takes, sure. you know. High-profile athletes also do more to strengthen the areas and take care of those things. But um, the more abuse that something takes, the long, the less time it lasts. Right. So you got to wear, what, like a mouth guard or something? Yeah, for our older patients, um, you know, that I'm, have their complete, you know, permanent dentition. Um, yeah, you do like a night guard or something like that. Um, I'm more asking for myself because I grind my teeth. Uh, yeah, get a night guard. <laughs> yep. Get, yeah, for sure. Okay. Get a get a night guard gonna, made. And I didn't want to make you feel insecure, but we noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I'm not on camera. <laughs> well, I didn't say you looked hideous. I just said we noticed you <laughs> behind your teeth, bro. <laughs> uh, but and that typically in, in younger patients, adolescents, and um, younger patients, we don't want to restrict growth or interrupt their growth patterns. And typically, it's not necessarily like you mentioned. Uh, most kids will grind less if they don't completely stop grinding, you know, altogether. Um, I'm a grinder and have been my whole life. Um, and as you worked on my teeth, you could tell <laughs> there, there's some some wear facets. Yeah. He, yeah. But maybe a story for another time. Yeah. Um, this uh, man sitting we'll uh, next to me go. here uh, shattered shattered my front tooth one night, <laughs> and um, then had the opportunity unintentionally, to unintentionally, and, and then graciously to took the opportunity to fix it the very next day. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was fun. We'll need to uh, have him back on for that. Story. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Maybe we'll unpack that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to unpack. <laughs> All right. Well, that. With uh, that, that should be. Yeah. It was a great show. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks Robert. for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for being here. It's been fun. All right, that's a wrap.